Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Cherry Jam. Uh, when we started this pod um, uh, about 18 months ago, I was quite clear, and actually the guys all were of the same opinion, that we didn't want to really get involved with talking to Gloucester rugby players, particularly current ones, because we didn't want to have that real awkward issue about maybe talking to something and then, you know, having a, having a problem later. Um, but it came became really apparent that um, everyone who listens to the pod wanted us to talk to some Gloucester rugby players. And um, when we decided that we wanted to try and reach out, the only name really that came top of the list, everybody's list, uh, was Jamal Ford Robinson, um, who I'm really happy to say is joining me uh, to record this pod. This is a special, special pod that will be being uh, put out over Christmas. Um, thanks for joining me. Really, really appreciate you coming along. Hello, hello. <laughs> happy to be here. Happy to get some awkward questions. Yeah, good. Um, and, and actually, to be fair, the I think you it was yourself and um, who was the other person? Who, everyone wanted to try and get me to talk to um, uh, Louis and uh, Adam Hastings. Um, yeah. Now, L- Louis, uh, uh, Louis blocked us on Twitter, so that wasn't going to happen. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, we made the fatal <laughs> error. We, we made the fatal error really early on that we liked. We tweeted it. We tagged him in something, and we, it was really wasn't a bad tweet. It was just saying. He was obviously he was just trying so hard to to get into a game, and he I think he dropped the ball two three times, and then just blocked us, which is fair enough. This is wow, his, I know. That's good. I'll, I'll I'll make sure I bring that up when I see him next time. Yeah, so that was quite funny. And then um, Adam Hastings, uh, to be fair, I, I I thought it was a bit unfair because he's only played like five games for us, six games for us, so it would be a bit harsh yeah. to to pile it on him. Um, but yeah, you were definitely number number one. You were top of the list. Everyone wanted to talk us to talk to you. So thanks very much for agreeing it's to an it. An honour. Uh, you're you're the first Gloucester player, current player, to to be on the pod. So, oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. This is groundbreaking stuff. It is, it is. Um, so I suppose the first question we'll get it out of the way. We'll do some of the boring, obvious questions first. Um, your earliest memories of rugby, what were they? Oof. Um. So in general, I can't think of like exact moments, but in general, mm-hmm. like so when I was. Uh, down in Cornwall, it's where I grew up, down in Cornwall. Um, playing at Penryn, that was my first club, Penryn RFC, um, up the borough. That was, yeah. yeah, that was where I did all my kind of mini stuff. Um, and then um, went, lived in, um, what do you call it? Western Supermare for a brief period. Um, and I remember at that time, we had the same, basically the same players that were playing for uh, Western Hornets rugby team. And I think it was Hutton Football Club or something like that. Um, so that's one of my that's one of my early memories as well. Is like having that having the same group of players for both. Um, and then obviously you get to that age when um, the matches go on to the same day on the weekend. So you had yeah. to choose. Um, thankfully, I chose rugby because I don't think football would have worked out too well. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that that those would be my. Not, not, not nothing specific that I can remember, but my earliest rugby memories were yeah coming through like the the Penryn ranks and then and then that kind of that same team for both. Yeah, did it? Did it? Was it? Um, obviously, growing up in Cornwall, rugby's a massive part of the the sporting culture down there. Was it kind of just a natural thing you would go and play rugby? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like I, I mean, like by you know, you might go to another school and the default is like you just expected to play football or something like that's the it's rugby in Cornwall like you kind of just as soon as you go to school you just find a club play for your play for your school and 
away you go. Um, and for me, especially, it was, it was really good because it was like my kind of, kind of like, it sounds very stereotypical, but it was like my, my outlet outside of like not enjoying school that much, you know, yeah. having the typical kid that had too much energy was the class clown. It was nice to then, you know, get to the end of the day and play a bit of rugby. Uh, like hit people, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and um and, and when 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 would you say was like the moment that you thought I might be good enough to play professional rugby or or I know I'm good enough to play professional rugby? Was it was it was there a again I'm uh, I'm not saying a specific moment, but was there sort of a, a what if you're still waiting you, for that moment? Uh, no, no, I think I think we can all we can all we can all say that you're definitely good enough to do it. The, so that's uh, imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, um when Honestly, I don't think that that moment ever occurred. I think it's just one of those things that just happened. Um, yeah. I mean, when I was, so obviously I was playing um, junior stuff with Red Reef at the time. So when I was like 15, 16, and I remember going to a few, I don't know if it was like a fully fledged EPDG like development program at the time, mm-hmm. but I went to a few training sessions um, at Exeter and it was kind of like on their pathway, I guess, going into into there. Um, and then ended up looking, get, got my mum, employed my mum as an agent at 16. Um, <laughs> <laughs> got her to like send some emails around just at other, other clubs because at the time Exeter were in the championship team yeah. ages ago now, but they were. Um, and so ended up going on uh, a couple of trials. One was with Bristol, one was with uh, Leicester. Um, and when I went to Leicester, I was on trial for a week and like halfway through the week, they offered me, um, a place in their academy. So, so that was like the first kind of inkling of like, okay, maybe can make something of this. But then like the academy is, uh, is like, it's only just, just the beginning. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's literally like nothing. Um, and so I guess that the main one was when. It was probably when I actually signed for Bristol. Um, so I'd done done the Leicester Academy. That didn't work out. Went to Cambridge in uh, National 2. Played there for like a year. Went to Cornish Pirates. Um, for Signed there for two years. Ended up getting bought out of my contract by Bristol. Um, and no disrespect to Cornish Pirates. You know, obviously, they're, they're a professional outfit. But like, when you think about like actually like making it in the premiership yeah like that was that that I guess that feeling didn't really occur until um Bristol brought me out of that contract um we actually ended up losing that year lost to Worcester and then promoted the next one um but I think that was like oh I'm like I'm at a big club here this this could work that that's one you're talking about that particular game I mean that was an absolutely mental game of rugby the the Worcester Bristol final i mean it was because well, it came down to the last kick right last kick lamb ryan lamb um, yeah yeah because yeah, it's funny because we um because we played them because I, I was at pirates but then like i said they, they bought me out of a contract so when pirates are mathematically safe i moved to bristol um and we played them in the last game of the season and beat them um so we kind of went into the into the the games with a bit of confidence but but the thing is they kind of shut they they chucked out like the non-starters right for, yeah, that, okay. for that last game of the season as you'd expect again yeah so obviously like the non-starters like the shags or whatever you want to call them we went out 
won won this game last game of the season, um, and then we went into obviously into the finals. Um, and yeah, it was a, a mental game, like you say, and came down to that that kick at the end. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, well, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. As a Gloucester supporter, it was it was kind of like, who do you want to lose more? Um, and, and, <laughs> and 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 you know, quite the guys on the group, the guys on the pod will all agree. We all wanted Bristol to lose more. It was just funny. Yeah. Um, you know. Anyway. <laughs> um, so sorry for that, but there we go. Um, now you kind of mentioned um, the the playoffs, and I think um, if I could if I could um, choose one thing to get rid of in terms of modern rugby, it would be the playoffs. Now I know that's a bit of a hangover from being a Gloucester supporter because we got stung badly uh, by the playoffs. If it, what's the one thing if you could change one thing about modern rugby, and it could be literally anything. I mean, it could be you know your training regime, it could be a, something to do with the, the pitches or the refs, or whatever. What would it be? You could have more than one if it's more than one. Believe me, uh, I was trying to be nice and go for yeah. one. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a good question. I think definitely like at the time, uh, I, I don't like the kind of whole like playoffs and top four thing. I think that is on a bigger picture. I think um, like I don't like that. You know, I think they've got rid of it in the championship now, right? So the, yeah, yeah, just the top just, one comes up, but straight straight fight now. Like the the fact that, that you had to win and then go into playoffs is just like like what what was the point in the whole league then you know mm. um and i kind of feel the same about like the the prem like even though and i know it's a great spectacle to have a semi-final and a final but it's like you try so hard and you know let's say you go on and win the 90 percent of your games and finish clear top and then it still doesn't really mean anything it's yeah it's a bit weird um so I'd probably change that. Um, trying to think of more intricate law stuff. Do you have any have any ideas? So for me, um, it's it's a difficult one because we we none. Of, I mean, I'm I, I'm sure you know. I don't think any any rugby fan really likes Caterpillar. Um, and I was really good when I saw Saracens trying to do the reverse what reverse caterpillar the other week. I was like, "You've got to be joking! You, we can't, <laughs> we can't do start doing this now." Um, so I suppose if I was gonna if I was gonna pick anything like one specific law, maybe sort of cleaning that up, maybe saying basically when the when the ref calls ruck, you can't then join, or I don't know how you would do it. I don't, maybe where the ref has to call it something else, and you can't join on from that point because okay. it's just farcical. You know, you you you, you it just it's pointless. It slows the game down. Yeah. Um, I think other than that's the only one. I think the only other law which I always used to think was a bit harsh, um, and I, it's kind of changed a little bit. Was the um, the well, you got stung for it at the weekend, which was the uh, accident. Well, you didn't, but um, you were involved in it, which was the accidental offside uh, uh, knock on. Knock on. Yeah. Which I kind of I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting one. I think when you see most games. It's so instinctive, you know. You're you're basically taught as a rugby player if the ball's bouncing, drop on it yeah. or catch it or something. Yeah, and you get split second to to sort of anticipate it. I don't know. It just seems a bit hard. Yeah, that is that is a weird one because it's not like you're gonna just grab the ball and run off. Like you know you're in the wrong from the knock on, right? So it's like yeah, yeah. you don't need to then give a penalty. Uh, the the one that the one that they're, they're, that they've actually got rid of it now. But the one that I would have said was that um um. Scoring against the post. Oh yeah, the post. yeah, yeah. The impossible to defend thing. That yeah. was so stupid. Like <laughs> when you had teams, it's just just ridiculous. Like when you had teams that are really good at pick and go, it's like, what, what, what do you want me to do here? 
Like, yeah. I can't be offside. So how um, it's physically impossible for me <laughs> to defend this post that's in front of me and not be offside. So yeah, I'm glad that was gone. Yeah. Um, because of that one particularly, I mean, you you never you very 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 rarely saw it. In, yeah. uh, you know, and it was always it was always a law that was there, but you never ever saw it. And then, of course, teams kind of started to think, oh, it's a really good weapon. You know, as you said, you mm. get a team like Exeter or a team yeah. like Sale, maybe a couple of years ago, which was just all they did was pick and go, mm. um, and they just used that as a weapon. Um, yeah, yeah, I feel um, like the, the changes are in a pretty good spot at the moment. To be fair, I'm mm. sure they'll be they'll change something, and I'll be like, oh, that was that was actually right. But for the most part, a lot of the the changes that are brought in are positive for the game you know like like the um arriving on your feet one yeah they've introduced this year with the pick and go um again it's like a is a good one because when you had like again like teams like extra doing that three-man pick and go yeah it's like very hard to defend do you, do you um, think do you th- on that do you think that that's so extra i'm not saying they're, they're going to struggle all season but they definitely struggled the front end of this season do you think that's an area that because they're not able to do that and they're, they're, therefore there's a bit more opportunity for teams to um, compete at the, at the breakdown against them? Do you think that's a, that's one of the reasons why they might be struggling? Potentially. I mean, I haven't looked at their, their game. I haven't analysed the game to know like exactly where they're going wrong. Mm. But like I that I know that is a big weapon for them. I don't know if they're still getting themselves in like the opportunity to use it. Um but yeah, I, I'd imagine that would have an effect on, especially their like kind of kill zone attack stuff, because they they're just like, you know, notorious for just you get into the twenty two and it's like right here we go, we're just going to pick and go all the way, and there's not really much you can do about it. No, I mean that's I mean that's a, as a we've kind of sat there and watched Exeter demolish us and and other teams, and and I it's a weird one because obviously they're winning and they're they're a successful side, but you know people like myself and my dad and the lads who on the pod we 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 watch rugby every week. We're season ticket holders, and mm. I think there's a little bit of us that would like, yeah, it's great to win, but we'd like to play a little bit more exciting rugby than just pick and go, pick and go, pick and go. Yeah, you know it's horses of course, I suppose. Um, yeah. On yourself now, it's obviously you know you're someone who has got a lot of versatility in the scrum. So you can play loose head and tight head. This is what I mean, let's believe. I'm a winger. I've got no idea. So you, you <laughs> I, I'm never entirely sure which side's which still even now. And I've been watching rugby for 30 years. But um, so, uh, you know, you've got a lot of versatility in the scrum. Do you, is that a natural thing? Does that come naturally to you? Or did you, or do you think it comes naturally to players? Or is it something that can be coached um, to a high level? Yeah, I think, I think it can be coached. Because um, I think, Although uh, it's weird, they're very different, but then also similar. Mm. Um, it's something that I've just always done. So I kind of like from a young age, I've always been able to do both. So for me, it's just it It took some time to transfer it to this level. Um, but in terms of like the body shapes that you need to achieve in that, it, was, it wasn't like that hard a transition. But I think like... I think it can be done. I think people just need to, I say people, like the, the guys in the front row probably just need to expand their minds a bit, you know, <laughs> embrace <laughs> embrace change, which is, which is a hard thing to convince a prop to do. But it's, um, yeah, like I said, there is there is like enough crossover in terms of the shapes that you want to achieve that um, you should have a pretty good idea of what you want to do. Mm. Um 
And also it just helps, like, even if you're like, nah, I am just a tight head. If you just dabble in loose head every now and again, you kind of know what the other guy is trying to achieve. And so you can kind of counter it, you know, because you know what feels good, what doesn't on the other side. Yeah, that, that was the, the, I mean, again, I've got no no understanding of what Loz on the pod said to me. I've got no understanding of what half he was saying. So, and Russ was the same. <laughs> Russ is, you know, the lads on the pod, Russ played prop, Loz played second row. I played wing and got injured a lot. Um, now, um, they were talking about the the fact that, obviously, your versatility, would you, uh, uh, that put you in a difficult position, but would that, do you feel it, it can be viewed as a bit of a hindrance from your point of view? Because you're so versatile and you can cover both sides, that means you don't necessarily get as many starts. You know, you, you, you've got that opportunity, come off the bench, make an impact, but it could be that the tight head might be struggling, the loose head might be struggling, that's where you need to come on and sort things out. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'll get in trouble, but I think like that that has happened already, yeah. um, for sure. Where like we, the, like like for example, we might have like a someone who we want to start at loose head, but we might not necessarily want to start this person at tight head. But our next, how, else, how am I going to? Maybe I've just worked myself into a loop that I can't get out of. <laughs> <laughs> basically right. this is where the editing comes in it's fine do no no you can leave it all in but basically where like where if for example like our backup prop on one side might be not as strong so I might need to go that side which might have taken me out of a starting spot because yeah. the, just the, the the combination of the four props works better that way mm-hmm. um, that has happened already um, and it, it's it does it's uh, do I mind it? I mean, like, it's nice to start, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, especially this year, like the the the, the stereotypical. Oh, it's it, the camp is really good. Everyone's happy, happy. <laughs> everything's going great. You know, yeah, we hear right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, like things are actually going well. And and like this, this year, I just feel like it's you're you're a cog in in the Gloucester machine. And mm. if if I can facilitate that machine by you know necessarily not, and I'm not saying I was gonna I'm gonna start either side, but if that opportunity comes up where opportunity come up where you know I'd have to sacrifice that starting spot because for the greater good, then mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah, I, I you know it, I, I I kind of view it on the uh, as a supporter. Um, I think I suppose the way we would view it maybe is that we see how much of an impact you make when you come off the bench and therefore it can be frustrating from a supporter's point of view. We think, well, we, we want you to start um, more games or we could see, well, you play, you scoring really well against that prop and now they're, they're starting. So why aren't you starting? Um, and I know that, you know, again, it, it's a very complex issue and it kind of relies on lots of different aspects, but it is, you know, it was just a, it was an interesting thought. We, we, we were talking about that um, on the pod separately. So um, I was going to say I, just on the back of that, obviously yeah. that was like the, not negative, but that was like the, that side of it. But then obviously the, the very positive side is that like I can cover both. So there's like more opportunity for me to play if there's, yeah. you know, if I'm, if I'm just a tight head and we're low on loose heads, yeah, there's not an option for me to go over. But the fact that I can do both means that I get to be involved most weeks as long as I'm playing well. Because yeah. if there's an injury one side, I can move or vice versa. 
Do, um, and going on to scrummaging a bit more detail, actually. Um, so that all, all the backs get. Uh, there's been quite a lot of talk anyway about the backs all wearing tights. Um, and, and and again, I haven't got a problem with it. You know, if I was going to be sliding on artificial pitch and there's a potential for making my, my legs hurt, I'm going to put tights on. Um, and it's, but I, I think that there's probably not enough talk talked about the the fact that um, very few scrums on artificial pitches go down. It they're, mm. they're far they they seem to be far more stable. Um, do you think that? It, I mean, you from a, as a prop and as someone who's scrummaging and you've got to deal with crap pitches and mud and all the rest of it and losing your foot in. Do you see a big benefit in the artificial pitches from that side of things? So sort of ignoring the backs and hurting the legs and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's very uh, it's very individual. Um, something that I, like my answer would be very different to someone else in the squad, sort of like another prop. But like for me, it I love it. I love it official because um, the way I like to scrum is I like to kind of get into my. This sounds so generic. How can I spice it up a bit? so basically i like to i like to get like i like to scrummage quite low Mm -hmm. and kind of get into a position where um i can't be moved is my is my is my goal right um and then i like i prefer those kind of longer scrums where it's just more of a constant build of pressure and that's an, an artificial pitch allows you to do that because if you get your studs in the ground like they don't move yeah they're locked in um like so much so that like pretty much every week I have to retighten my studs because the okay. ground loosens them because it just they just don't budge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um <clears throat> so for me, I, I enjoy it. But then like you might have other guys that scrum that prefer to scrum a bit higher, maybe, maybe like to take more of an angle, mm-hmm. um, prefer a bit more foot movement, and then the artificial pitch doesn't really aid them in that. Um so it's very it's it's very specific, but for me, I I I really enjoy it. I really yeah. enjoyed it, and and especially, again, happy clappy club. Uh, especially ours, <laughs> our, our pitch is actually like banging. It's really good. And I was speaking to a couple of lads at Bristol that I knew when we played them on the weekend, and they were like, "Yeah, fair play." We were a bit skeptical, but like obviously because they've got a football pitch essentially. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but there's a like, nah, that it's the as the artificial pitches go, it's very good. Well, that's good. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the, 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 the two things I've noticed really um, from an artificial pitch point of view, it doesn't it doesn't seem to play as what I would call you standard artificial pitch, you know. And I, I'm fairly sceptical. I'd prefer, prefer it to play on grass, but I understand the reasons the club made that decision from a commercial point of view, from a almost player welf- welfare and training point of view and all the rest of it. Um But um, the only thing that is weird, and I don't I don't know if, I mean, actually, the, the Bristol try at the weekend, um, we're just gone where we're recording um the bounce the yeah. bounce does seem odd at times like it was almost it yeah. sticks a little bit more and, and I, I wasn't sure if that's just me sort of oh no the, the bounce is definitely not natural no definitely not um <clears throat> i'm speaking like a highball specialist you know you <laughs> in the back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but no like like i know the backs talk about it like more in terms of like not letting the ball bounce because it is quite unpredictable Mm. Um, you see, you tend to get a lot of. Um, I think it was. I think yeah, is the one when it went over Zam's head. Was that yeah. sweet? Yeah, that's the one. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Like that, that kind of bounce. I don't think you'd see that on grass. The fact that it kind of like has that trajectory towards 
like the try line and then just hits and bounces back over his head. It's yeah. Like, it it seems yeah it's, it's as if it digs in it, um yeah. and, and then the, obviously the rubber springs it back or something I don't know so the the only other one I can think of this season was there was I'm not sure if it was preseason or it might have been against Sale but there was one where it was a cross kick and it kind of bounced almost sort of on end and it went really weird over the top I think um, yeah. Jack Singleton took it over and, and scored oh it. another one you're on about yeah that was yeah, what yeah. I was thinking of yeah yeah there was that one which was equally weird and you remember I'm thinking bloody hell that's that's fun, um, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, and 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 kind of staying on on um, uh, scrums. Just quickly, one more thing. You mentioned obviously you prefer to get low, and everyone that's not a front row has already switched off this podcast. Oh, I know. I okay. Well, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So <laughs> as I said, just double down that. It's am- it's amazing. I'm still awake to be honest. But there we go. <laughs> um, but the the so you mentioned you, you want to scrum low, and one of the things that um, uh, we noticed at the weekend um, it, on the comms and stuff like that when you when you're listening to the ref was that the bristol pack were really taking their time to get low they were, you know to pack down it was really really slow and um john afoa famously is a guy who loves to scrummage as low as he possibly can um he's, his technique is probably one of the best ever um and and the other thing about john afoa as well is the fact that it was another 18 i think it was an 80 minute performance was, yeah. which is just crazy i mean he's God, he's like 85 now. I don't know how old is he. Um, <laughs> yeah. I said that he's younger than me. I'm 37, but um, but you know he's he's he. It's just a machine. I mean, how how do you kind mm. of cope with that kind of level of athleticism and and skill? Um, yeah, I don't think there's many knocking around like John. I don't think there will be after either. He's um, the fact that he's still managing to churn out 80 minutes um, whilst being a player coach and. Yeah, I don't think he was 100% going into the game either because no. I know they had some um, some injury trouble with the two guys that played the week before. So, yeah, he's uh, he's, he's one of a kind. He's a good, good, good boy. And a first receiver as well, which is, again, I still can't quite grasp how you can be a prop and be a first receiver and do out <laughs> the back passes. And, you know, it's just crazy. Um, in terms of the players you've played against and with, who, who would you say is the best player you've played against? Doesn't have to be a prop. It could just be anybody, I suppose. Um. Um, okay, the one I I tend to always choose, mainly because it's a name drop as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, Alan Wynne Jones. Yep. So got to play against him in a European game when I was at Saints. We played uh, Ospreys away, mm-hmm. and uh, and the reason I I pick him out is because. He's one of those that like doesn't do anything like particularly flashy, right? Like it'd be easy to say, I don't know, some winger or man who's or you know, someone that just does mm. stuff and you you know it. But like he does so much work around like the breakdown and like the tackle area, where like obviously the forwards are much more involved. You know, like every time I'd like carry into him, I'd just get like held up and he's he's got these like massive arm span and just like bear hugs me and I'm just like I'm a, I'm a 19 stone man, but I feel like a five stone girl. Like he's just wrapped me <laughs> up. I can't move. Um, you know, in in like the ruck, he's always the one that's like pulling your shirt and trying to move you off balance and stuff. Um, so he he would be my he would he would be the the person that I think of um, first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
in terms of um, your sort of journey through rugby, um, you mentioned we mentioned you kind of got through the teams as we've gone through, really. So um, your first big break, uh, uh, you know, in uh, the the prem was with Bristol. Um, you got promoted. Uh, it wasn't the most successful season, unfortunately. When you did get promoted, um, and then it did um, end in relegation. So yeah, it did I end in relegation. Yeah. Mm. Probably could say it wasn't the most successful. It wasn't, no. Um, that was kind of before the the big money kind of started rolling in in Bristol, um, yeah. to be fair. And then you uh, joined Northampton. Um, and were you there for a year or two years? Two years. Two years. Uh, and kind of your, your any sort of standout moments in Northampton? Because I know you, you you got a couple of injuries and, and things like that as well, didn't you? So Yeah, I mean, my, my second year was basically a complete write-off um, yeah. with, an, with a knee injury. Um. So that was a that was a shame, um, but then it led me to being here. So yeah, quite exactly. So you you know you joined Gloucester, and and I think I think it's fair to say that to call your fans favourite would be a bit of an underest, uh, underestimate uh, this here because I, I don't think I've ever seen so many Gloucester fans who've got their Facebook profile or Twitter profile, and it in fair play is you on on on. <laughs> Lots and lots and lots of profiles, um, and and, and it is, it's amazing. Um, you know, is it something that comes naturally to you? You know, you're obviously a, well. You appear to be quite an outgoing and gregarious guy. Um, I, without going too deep in this, is it is it a way? You know, you, Ooh, we could go deep. We could go, we deep. Could go um, deep. But you know, you 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 make a big effort with supporters. Is that important to you to to sort of make that connection? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It's. Um... Yeah, again, without going too deep, like I often wonder, like you always talk about, like what is your your why for playing? Um, uh, and I suppose my, my I've always like kind of didn't really know what my why was because it was never like like the easy one be like, oh, it's always my dream to play, or, mm. but it never really was, and it just kind of something that I I fell into. Um, but when I think, what is it that kind of I enjoy out of the game and uh, for me it's it's being able to see um like supporters especially like the younger younger supporters like the amount that they get out of an interaction with mm-hmm. with like in this case with me and it's like such little effort that I have to you know like relatively it's like yeah yeah, yeah I, I have to I don't say I have to, but like I, I go and go over there and spend two minutes talking, take a picture, and like I'll—I I mean, I get it. Like every week, like I get messages on on Instagram from from like the parents saying, "My son has not stopped talking about today. Thank you so much. It was his first game." Mm. Um, like last week was a prime example. I, I, there must have been some like school thing on, um, and so I spent like a, a good deal of time. I think maybe like forty-five minutes signing autographs in the corner. And then, you know, I get home and there's like 10 direct messages of like, my son, my daughter really enjoyed it. Like, best experience. Thank you so much. And it's like, that. that's what like, th- those messages, like that's what kind of fuels me is yeah. that like, I'm having a, a an impact on something that's like way bigger than, than me. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, just to echo that. So, um, my well, before we started recording, you, my daughter was desperate to have a chat with you. Uh, then instantly became the shyest girl in the history of the world ever, <laughs> which is standard for her, bless her. Um, 
but also my godson who um who I took to the Ealing game at the beginning of the season um and um I'm not you 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 can't take credit for this it, but he okay. he uh, <laughs> but he watched that game that Ealing game and um he said oh I want to come back so we went to the sale game um which I I mean if you're ever going to have a, a Gloucester game kind of show you everything you need to be and everything you need to know about being a Gloucester supporter is in that one game mm. um yeah, uh, at four minutes before the end, he actually said to me, oh, they've won this. And I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have. Oh, but, you know, you're never sure. I mean, this is Gloucester. Yeah, yeah, that. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be fair, you know, he came along to the um, the open day that you guys all, you know, the training open day, and he was really, really happy to get everyone's signature, yours in particular, really, really happy to get your photo. Um, and it is, honestly, and, and I know you, I, you kind of alluded to it, it's great to hear um, people give you that feedback because it does mean a lot to a lot of supporters you know that that um one of the things probably professionalism has done is put a bit of a barrier between the players and supporters mm. um for obvious and reasons yeah that, and that's something that i like am like actively trying to get rid of i think mm. because at the end of the day like we're all people right we're all human yeah. beings and like the fact that uh sports people get put on this like pedestal up here it's like whoa look at these guys they're like heroes and stuff and and like that that's fine if you if, if you want that person to be your hero and something to achieve but like it's important for me to that you also recognize that we just like anybody else you know mm. um have the same ups same downs and if if i can remove that that kind of barrier as much as i can i i feel like that's that's a, a positive contribution that I can have. Yeah. And then that kind of neatly flows on. It's almost as if um, this kind of, I've been doing this for about 18 months, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it um, it neatly flows on to your sort of um, activities, activities outside of rugby. Now, for people who do follow it on social media, um, the, I picked out four things. I wrote down four things. Um, music, uh, clearly yep. important to you. Uh, gaming, very important to you. Yeah. Um, uh, some very interesting reading material what appears to be quite highbrow I, I i didn't i haven't looked at the books in detail but i was reading some of the art passages you were putting up and i was like Woof, yeah that's quite that's quite deep for a for a wednesday night or a thursday night um <laughs> um and coffee was another area of, of of definite interest now on that i just want to just this is i'm i am not taking any credit for this question because this is brilliant so Loz on the pod asked asked me to ask for someone who loves coffee so much. Have you not mm. thought about investing in a really really good coffee machine rather than driving all around the county? <laughs> it's a good question, but I coffee is a is a vehicle for more things. It's not just about the good coffee, you know. It's mm. about I love exploring. Like when I first moved to my I spent the uh off season so i moved here with like a few weeks before pre-season started and i just spent it all cotswolds every day pick a village go find a coffee shop um sit down read a book that kind of thing so yeah it's 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 more than the coffee it's the bigger yeah. picture it's, it's 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 a gateway to other things yeah yeah okay cool yeah um and you mentioned um sort of driving around now again another area of of, of uh social media people will spot is your cars um particularly a, a very nice shiny yellow one which 
uh, I've seen several times in town, um, and I believe also um, uh, there's a, there was a, uh, a little silver number as well. Um, yeah, is is that it was that's how kind of one of those things again, not not going about like the why you play rugby, but obviously it's mm. a really nice benefit of of playing professional sport that you're paid for it, which is good, and you can buy things you want, which includes yeah. a couple of nice cool, cool cars. cars. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I suppose the the kind of um, the the four things that you mentioned. So, what is it? Is cars, music. Books. Yeah, the books, um, uh, uh, the what was it? Oh, gaming, 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 as well. yeah, and coffee. So, I mean, they kind of all tie in um, to kind of give you uh, the the bigger picture. Was that uh, again? We can go, we can go super deep, or we can go like kind of you go as just, deep as you want. It's fine. Just honestly. scratch away at the surface. You okay, could, so, you so when when I was at Leicester um, towards the end of my Second year, they told me that I wasn't going to be kept on, and uh, being away from home and being the age that I was, I think I was eighteen at the time. Um, as you can imagine, that didn't go down well no. with me in my mind. Um, ended up um, managing to get a, uh, a third year, but unpaid. Um, and thankfully, uh, I had a relative that was able to like kind of support me with that in terms of like staying in in Leicester um and then got about halfway through that year again it was like yeah we're not gonna keep you for a fourth year um and basically my yeah I basically like went I didn't know at the time I actually didn't even find out until like maybe a year ago what I was going through but basically it's like quite an extreme anxiety um, yeah. so I'd like kind of wake up in the morning and like feel sick, didn't want to go to training. Um, when I'd get home, I'd often just go straight to bed and cry myself to sleep sometimes. Um, basically this all, it all links back is that I, um, basically just felt like very consumed by yeah. rugby. I didn't really have anything else going on at the time because when I was younger, all I did was rugby, but it was because it was fun. And I had school, but my fun was rugby. And now suddenly, even at that age, the, the fun was kind of getting taken away, taken out of it before the professionalism of it. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't have another fun thing, you know, that um, I didn't have another outlet. And so... That kind of started me on a bit of a journey. Um, that kind of got me onto um, onto some of the, the the deeper books that you might have seen yeah. that I've posted. Um, that started with a book called "Obstacle Is the Way." That was that's the book that I always return to. Um, and then kind of went through a bit of a like a second episode when I was at um, Northampton again when I was, had that whole year off with yeah, my uh, with with my injury. Um, I managed to have some sort of like fitness goals that I wanted to hit throughout that time, but still wasn't able to do rugby. Um, and that's when I found my love for cars at that time. Um, cause I'd kind of been into them before, but there was a, there was a pub. It's like a pub slash car meet place in Stratford upon Avon called Cafe in the Machine that I opened yep. up. Um, and I just went along and 
loads of just like-minded people that were kind of also into cars, very chilled environment. You just go there, have a nice good coffee, sit down, read a book. Um, and that kind of got me into that world. And then suddenly I had with with the kind of with the with the cars, with the books, with the coffee, I had other things that I enjoyed outside of rugby that took my mind off of it. Um and I think I think that's why Gloucester has gone well so far is because <laughs> I've, I've learned now that like getting too consumed with, with just the rugby wasn't for me, wasn't, wasn't healthy. Um, some people can't, they can just go boom. I'm, I'm just, just doing this. Yeah. But for me, I needed other stuff. I like, like when I, when I go out for my drives or whatever, I, I'm not going with guys from the team and that's not because I don't like the guys from the team, but like I need to see other people. I need I need different chats. So I don't I don't want to go to, you know, a coffee in the Cotswolds and then be talking about some lineout move that happened the week before. You know, um, so yeah. So that's that's the that that without too many details, we just scratch the surface on that. But that no, that's that's, the, good. that's the bigger picture. I, I think I think it, it kind of does go into a, a wider thing that I think a lot of supporters forget that at the end of the day, despite I mean, you know, myself and everyone who watches the game, watches games at Gloucester. Um, if you gave the opportunity to anyone pretty much in the crowd, do you want to throw a shirt on and play for Gloucester? It's like the dream. That's like their absolute ultimate dream. But people forget that, you know, you guys as professionals, it's a, it's a job. Um, yeah. And I think people sometimes forget that it's not always, you know, that's not always going to be the, the dream. It could be, as you say, you've fallen into it. You're good at it and, you're, you can make it you're good enough to make a living from it and that's fantastic but you're allowed to have other um, things outside of this, the sport so um yeah it's, it, i think sometimes it just needs reminding to some supporters that you know mm. not everyone lives and breathes rugby in the same way that maybe a person who does a fan podcast might shall we say yeah. um <laughs> and, and i hope that like i don't know maybe there might be people watching this that like may see a different side now because i know like I, I tend to ignore them but there are like a couple of times where people are like it mainly happens you know when things aren't going well on the pitch yeah. it's easy to go ah yeah you're, you're distracted you're doing two other things focus on your rugby um and like i've just kind of gotten used to that now because i i know for me if i did that then it'd be even worse so yeah i'm not gonna do that <laughs> because because barry from wales on Twitter said that I needed to. Um but yeah, maybe maybe someone will listen to that and go, okay, that you know we're people and 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 like you said, this is this is a job and, and for some people it is it is like it is a dream. I'm not saying it's not a like I am passionate about it, but you know it's like I said it's something that I've always just just done for fun mm. and now I get paid to do it. Um, um in terms of sort of dreams and things, in terms of rugby dreams, we're just stick with rugby dreams and the positive side of things. Yeah. Um, so obviously, we want Gloucester to win every trophy. I mean, we want Gloucester to win every match. That we know that's not reasonable. But do you think there's a chance this season for um, a bit of silverware? They're doing. You know, we've, we've done really well in those first two rounds of the Premiership Cup. We've obviously got the Challenge Cup this weekend. It's going to be a big test. Um, you know, as we record, Leon on Saturday, on Friday night. Sorry. Mm. Um, we don't know what squad they're going to be bringing. Um, I imagine there's, there's, we know there's going to be a bit of rotation within the Gloucester squad. 
Um, Premiership might be a bit out out of out of reach, but you never know. Um, do, do you think that that is? I mean, obviously, you mentioned before it's a happy camp at the moment, which is good. Yeah. Um, everyone's <laughs> kind of all building it all in the same page. Um, do, do you think that there is a definite sort of momentum shift now in, within the club that they're they're really starting to pick up? Maybe get the Premiership Cup as a starting point and move on from there. I think so because it's. I don't know. Like, I mean, you you can probably see it as a, as a supporter, but like, things are just just seem to be working quite well for us at the moment. Mm. Um, and you know, like, you can put it down to luck, but there's a couple of results that we've had this year that we could very easily have been on the other side of yeah. last year. Um, so yeah, is there a chance for silverware? I think like. Most definitely, what that will be, I don't know. Um, but like you said, we went well in the in the the two cup games. Um, we're not far off of top four at the moment mm-hmm. um, in the Premiership, and like, I'm by no means going. I'm not going to put my stall out and say we're winning it, but you know, we we do again generic, but we do take it week by week. We're not, you know. We're definitely not in a position to be looking any further ahead than that because, you know, you don't have to be at Gloucester long to know the kind of past that Gloucester has with uh, getting so good and then, ah, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but I mean, like, things are going well for us. And I think we get through um, these two European games and then you, we're probably, as a squad, we're going to, probably assess okay we've we've participated in all three um competitions now what what are we gonna put our eggs into you know what basket are we gonna put our eggs into because like you said the the, the cup is definitely still there obviously the premiership we're gonna go hard at all the time um and i guess we'll see the result of the next two weeks whether we if this is a, a, a big focus for us as well. But um, I think we're, yeah, I think we're in a, in a really good spot. And I think there's definitely potential for for something in the cabinet come the end of the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, uh, we talk about sort of assessing and, and, and um, looking at where, where we are in the season. The most important thing is obviously on the 26th of December, we have to keep Bass losing run going, please. Yes, uh, I just that, that can't that can't be the game. We, we, I mean, we we kind of joke about it. The fact that when they put the fixtures up the other day, when they were lost to um, I don't know who it was, Exeter or someone, and they saw oh, these are the next fixtures coming up, and everyone literally everyone went, oh Gloucester, oh no, it's going to be us. Isn't it? It's going to be us just because it's just that's the that's the that's the pessimist in all of us. Um, I mean, so obviously that 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 Bath game the other week when we when you know, 71-10 or whatever it was. Mm. Was that a weird game to play in? Because it was such a mismatch. I mean, it, it was great for us supporters to watch and see a massive score, but is it a bit odd to play in those sort of games? Yeah, I think that was actually the first time I've been on the good side of one of those, oh, really? one of those games. Oh, really? <laughs> I've been involved in a couple and I've normally been on the on the other side. Um, but yeah, I remember being out then. I was like, this is uh, this is weird. Because it's like, easy. I mean, that's the thing. It looked easy. I mean, it, I know it's not, but it looks easy. It's no, it's it's not. But the thing, the thing for us is that we, 
why everything I want to say is just sounds so cheesy and already said. It's fine, honestly. No, it's not fine. I don't like it. You don't don't like like it, it. okay. (laughs) But, like, we are very much, like, we don't tend to look at end results, not necessarily of of games, but of anything, you know, into like like our morning game, right? Yeah. No surprise, our mall is, is, like, very good this year. But we did a lot of it in pre-season, and we continue to do a lot of it in training, and we always looking to improve on it. So what I'm trying to get at is that we're very process driven in terms of like, right. Okay. What's the next thing? Boom. We're going to do that. Boom. We're going to do that. And it just so happens that like in that game against Bath, when we stuck to our process, whereas like, I suppose the difference was be like, if you're playing it, it's like a premiership side, they might, might just be able to stop them all, but then we might score out wide or, we might go a couple more phases and then we'll score. Whereas mm-hmm. like the bath one, it was like, as long as we're on our money, we could probably just score like right now. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean it's easy. Like we still have to be on top of our game, but it means that like, I guess with that mis- mismatching in team is that the top of our game is just too out of sight for the top of their game. Yeah. So we, we just, we just win that, that, battle and we just continue to do that throughout the game and um the kind of final sort of one of the final quick questions was um snowy uh on the on the pod his name is james but um he looks like tintin so we call him snowy um he um i don't know why i don't know why we just call him tintin i don't i, I don't know anyway he um don't question nicknames no no Once exactly. they're in, that's it that, that's it done he um he asked this question and again i apologize because it's the stupidest question but it's kind of genius he asked um if God was to open up open up the sky and say, Jamal, you can have the speed of Johnny May, but you're not allowed to eat meat ever again. Would you take that deal? <laughs> the del- I was expecting like an instant no on that one. I don't know why, but yeah. I don't know, just thinking of the surprises that could come up with. Because <laughs> like... If it, if it's just if it's just there, mm. like I've just got the speed, and I don't have to stay fit. <laughs> yeah, I'm not you putting know? any caveats on. That's just it, it. You know, it's it's. it's I'm also deal, thinking of like post rugby. I could just like get like thirty stone, like really fat, <laughs> but then still have the pace. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Um, but then I do like a steak. This is yeah. It's a good question. It's like it's a, it's a stupid question, but it's a good question. No, uh, it's got me thinking. I'd have to, I'd have to, I'd have to see what these uh, Beyond Meat companies are saying, you know. And, yeah, and assess the situation. That's, if, that's, if, if they're yeah. imitating pretty well, then I, I might be tempted with the speed. I, I had one. I had one of those in in uh, in Washington DC a couple of years ago, um, and I, you know, someone who was in no way going down the vegan route, and I have to be honest. It was good. It was really? very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I it was, it was good. Um, wow. Surprisingly good. So I, 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 you know, if it was all okay. like that, I'd maybe go down that route. But um, I, that, that's the problem. I think it's a bit still hit and miss at the moment. So yeah. that's the problem. Um, there's, I think, the only other question um, I've got, I suppose, is when you uh, for so this weekend you're you're going to go into Leon. 
and yep. it's going to be full on i imagine full on bubble you, you're not going to get to do a huge amount outside of playing and yep. training what the hell do you do <laughs> for that i mean is it just a case of like do you just kind of take ps4s or ps5s across with you or yeah a couple of people take ps4s load up the netflix on the ipad or something um but yeah i mean i'm not a massive fan of uh, evening games anyway i mean no. i like the game itself but the build-up yeah. is just horrible um because you wake up at like reasonably normal time but then you have you know you wake up at like let's say nine but then you don't have to meet at the club until like quarter past six i think mm-hmm. it is for a 745 kickoff so it's like you have all this time to kill um and then, yeah, like, like you said, we're going to be in a bubble. Like Skibbs has already told us today that when we go over, it's like the Festival of Light or something. Yep. Um, there's going to be loads of people around and COVID's on the rise again. Um, so it's like, yeah, he's like, this is a business trip. You're not going out for a coffee. So it's like, okay, so we're flying out tomorrow and we're going to be basically stuck in a hotel until what, like 7.30 on Friday? Yeah, because it's a nine o'clock kickoff, isn't it? French time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not ideal. But it's, yeah. I, I mean, this is the thing. So again, people go, oh, you're playing professional sport. I'm like, yeah, but what would you do? If you were, if you were sat in a, if you were stuck in a, you know, you get to go to these amazing places, get to go to Leon or whatever, and you're stuck mm. in a hotel for two days, three days. I don't think you'd be that pleased, particularly when you then have to go and run around and get thumped by large Frenchmen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, I remember I was speaking to a, um, I, I know, um, an, uh, an Olympian. Uh, what does she do now? Long jump, yeah, long jump. And I remember talking to her, I was like, oh, like, because she said, oh, I had a meet here and a meet there, and you know, all over Europe and all over the world. I thought, like, oh, that must be so cool. Like, you get to do in my ignorance, I hadn't even like compared it to my own, my yeah. own life, you know. And I was like, that must be so cool that you get to go everywhere in the world and you get to compete and you see all these places. And you're like, no, <laughs> that's not <laughs> how it works. <laughs> like, you arrive, you go to the straight to the hotel, sleep, wake up early the next day, go do your, your thing, you know, you do your long jump, and then you're on the flight back. Like, there's no, there's none of that, like, sightseeing time. No. Um, and yeah, this is uh, this weekend is going to be a a, a a prime example of that. Um, yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's a shame that it wasn't the Newport weekend because let's be honest. I mean, we're going to compare and contrast. Um, being stuck <laughs> in a hotel in Newport, I think, is probably a better solution than wandering around the streets. Yeah, you know, that's but uh, <laughs> because uh, I Newport. Can, because yeah, I can say that. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, the <laughs> you don't want to get in trouble. Um, <laughs> No, Jamal, thank you so much um, for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, uh, I, it, surprisingly deep in places, which was is good because um, the whole point of this was to kind of get an insight to what it is to be a modern rugby player and, you know, what your week might consist of and what you do, you know, how do you mindset and all the rest of it. So thank you so much. Um, and obviously good luck for the weekend. Obviously when we, when we put this out, we all know the result and there'll be an entire podcast of us either being very upset or very happy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there. So uh, you'll, you, you might even have a chance to see my face um, Whoa. looking, looking depressed or happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you'll definitely see my wife looking exasperated. 
so that's good okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um but um no thank you so much and then obviously have a good christmas have a good new thank year you, you too and good luck for the rest of the season thank you very much